I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teaching host otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today, I know what you think I'm going to say. I'm going to say, today is a wonderful day. And you're right. That's what I'm going to say. I just did, actually. So I don't have to say it now because I already said it. Okay, done being silly. We're going to have a really fun day because I didn't have a guest. And I was like, shoot, I forgot to do my show. And it was already supposed to go to the web talk people. What am I going to do? And uh, I'm walking around the house, you know, and you know, my son, my autistic son, fully fits the show, walks by, and I'm like, hmm, maybe I should talk about how he's trying to do all these new things, and yesterday he did a fully independent word answering a question, and, you know, all these different things, and I'm like, oh, no, that, you know, I can't really just do a radio show on that, maybe I'll call, and, and as I'm doing this, you know, my son's walking by, and my grandson's walking by, and my son's walking by, and my grandson's having lunch or breakfast with me, and he's showing me videos. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have never done a show about what it's like to be a caretaker of your special needs uncle. What a great idea. So um, let me set this up because my wonderful grandson, I suggested that he be my guest today, and it's going to turn, I know, into an eye-opening and terrific show, and how great that my other guest canceled. I'm actually fibbing. My other guest never canceled. I didn't have one. I forgot. Okay, that's the truth. I just forgot. I've been really, really busy. Okay, so here it is. My grandson... Um, he came to live with me a few years back because he wanted to stay in California, and I really was kind of lonely at the thought of having only uh, my son and myself in this big old house, and everyone had lived with me for a few years when I first moved to California, so it had been a loaded house with two daughters and eight grandkids and my son. It had been so fun. So everybody had found their way and found their places, and they were all leaving, and I was like, um, Jory, can you stay? What if I pay you money? So <laughs> he kind of wanted to be in California, but didn't want to leave his mom. Uh, he did want some of what was offered here, didn't want to go to Texas. Like He was in that place where a bribe had a really good shot at working. Now, wanting to be fair, I ended up you know, turning it into a, every time a grandchild hits a certain age, they get $500 because you know, I didn't want Jory to be the only one that had this opportunity, but um, needless to say, he ended up saying yes, and we've had our bumps in the road, but he has been the person who stays behind and helps with my son, who is his uncle, lots older than him, and minimally verbal, he speaks but not well, and, you know, cleans but not well, (laughs) and so he's had this unique relationship. They have gone through all kinds of stuff together, and we're going to get into that. And I think it's a great 
idea because so many of you think you need services out in the world that are going to take your child to a group home or going to do this or going to do that. I want to really speak to that today. So let's start by saying thank you for saying yes, Jory. This is Jory Shelton, my grandson. It's not a problem. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting, huh? It's pretty neat. I've had other people <coughs> in the family on this. Well, don't cough in our ear, goodness gracious. I've had I've had other people on the show from the family, but it never occurred to me to do this, and I think it's really cool. So, do you remember when you first decided to stay? How that felt, and and you know, I, oh, I specific. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But I specifically mean how that felt when you had the role of being here at the house with your uncle and me going to work somewhere else in the world. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was basically like substituting Darren for my little brothers. I mean, <laughs> I got three younger brothers. I take care of them. <laughs> and yeah, that's okay. Okay, but story, isn't it though. weirder? It, like, what about oh, your friends? Oh, yeah. It's it's another kind of system. <laughs> I had no friends. I didn't know anybody. I moved here, so I just take care of Dar. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> it's really here's what different. I re- here's what I remember, Joy, was the first time that I realized that no matter you know, because you went through, and we'll get into this. You went through this period where if I left, a party happened, and your uncle got to be part of the party. <laughs> so let's we're going to be do some honest talk here. Um, <clears throat> so what I wanted to to say is. Through that all, and where we're at now, which is so awesome, um, I remember this one time. I had Dar all dressed up for Halloween. Dar was going to go to the dance with those guys, and you drove up, and you looked at him, and you were all laughing, and your friends were all laughing, but in this beautiful, inclusive way. And you just said, you know, most people, they have a boring old uncle, but not me. I have a Dar. But you meant it, and I want to start there. When did you feel like you had this affectionate relationship with him? Was it always like that, or did it happen from living? I would say it grew on me. I mean, <clears throat> before I started living with you, take care of him, I, I kind of saw him as, not like bad, but he'd eat all our food in Texas. He'd come by <laughs> and eat our food, and we wouldn't be able to get cheese and whatnot, so that was kind of lame, but... Uh, so at first it took a little getting used to because of the whole food thing and can't leave your food out because eat it and stuff. But then otherwise he is adorable and I love him. And, you know, I after like about, I don't know, I'd say a few, a few months, not even too long, just slowly started to grow on me and I couldn't imagine a world without him. <laughs> that's <laughs> really neat. Yeah, that's really neat. Me too. I feel the same way. But, it, you know, what's unique about it is that you were a little kid and he was the weird uncle. The, I mean, they were all weird because I had so many, but, <laughs> so, but they all improved and got independent and you had different struggles with uh, the other uncles as they developed and managed to make their way. But Dar was really slow at changing. So, it must have been interesting and challenging to go from being the little kid, looking at him as the uncle, like you said, that was just eating all the food or doing the things that little kids don't want their uncles doing, <laughs> and and then become sort of equal to each other as friends. Do you mm-hmm. remember any particular moments when you know, like a little story maybe when that sort of evolved. And it's okay if you were having a party and I was gone. Uh, well, it's, it's probably the, the parties were the real bonding experience for me. And <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, that's when it was just me and him. So I had to, we'd have the house to ourselves. It's our bachelor pad and have a few friends over, and he'd join and hang out with everybody. And my friends love him. I mean, who doesn't love Dark? And uh, it's really bon- it's really cool to hang out with him as like just like one of the one of the guys. And and like before living with him, I never really saw him as like just just one of the guys, normal normal guys, just hang out with him, bring him everywhere. Yeah. And, did uh, did your friends accept him that way, and did your friends accept oh, him yeah, to help you too? Friends are really really open with that. Um, you know, at first they were like, that was weird, <laughs> but uh, they all they all love Dar. Dar's a really polite guy. He's really nice, and you know nowadays he's talking so well that it's just like having my uncle hang out with us. I don't know. Really, it's really cool. And yeah. It's really cool just watching him grow up, like just grow as a person, and like his talking is way better. He can do more. He doesn't eat the walls anymore. <laughs> I don't have to hide food anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. What about your friends? And so, Dar, just to explain to people, he did eat the walls. That was one of his things. And, um, you know, he went through a craving walls phase. And um, he also, because of the size of his body and his colon, would bend all the way forward to go to the bathroom. So poo would go in the back of the toilet seat, which, by the way, <laughs> if you have that problem in your home, I want you to know that almost every home I go into when I'm going around the world working with autism, I'll go in someone's bathroom, and at some point during my visit, I've had, I have to clean poo off the back of the toilet seat. And I think to myself, Ah, oh, it's like being at home. <laughs> so it, we're we're a, we're a world of, of people that deal with these kinds of things, and it's nice to know that other people have it too. But your friends, so you were a teenager, and you had friends that were coming over, and sometimes they'd go to go to the bathroom, and Dar would have left a mess. Now he cleans up, but how was that dealt with? That was interesting, actually, because, you know, when I'd have people over, there's people I didn't know, too, and people who didn't know me, and they'd go to the restroom and have no idea what was going on and just see poop on the toilet. And they're like, what is this? <laughs> but uh, so it was a little weird, but then uh, everyone got used to it. And it's just like, oh, Jory, there's a little poop. Um, when I get Dar to clean it, or they'd, they'd have Dar clean it. Like, I taught them how to deal with Dar. Like, I'd just tell them, hey, you got to clean this up, and then watch him as he cleaned up his own mess. But it was it was weird. I mean, there's poop on the toilet. There's you can like Dar would make like giant bowls of cereal, like and then he just put it all in the sink or like or or stuff. oil and rice, oil and raw rice. Yeah, oil rice. and rice, like just the weirdest stuff around the house. And when my friends would come by, it was like the people who didn't really know me all too well. It was hilarious to watch. Actually, I, I looked forward to that <laughs> just to see their faces. Now, I, I'm going to say something, Joy, and, I, and I'm saying it for the benefit of all the moms and, and therapists that need to hear it, but I don't want you to think this means you can have parties again, okay? But, <laughs> By the way. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you how I think this all evolved. So, and I don't know how much you know because, like, you said something today that was really cute. You said, um, I said, well, I wouldn't do that. And you said, you don't do anything everybody else does. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's, yes, but that's a valid point. So the way that I choose uh, to help my kids has been very different, and it's why they all came off the spectrum, and it's why Dar's still changing. So let's Mm -hmm. look at something. Let's look at this evolution. Most people would have felt very, very panicked 
at the idea of Dar and you staying at home and then maybe you doing some shenanigans behind my back and you know I'm worried about the house but um Dar and you created a relationship that would not have happened if you were like a typical caregiver. Mm-hmm. So, have you you know when we go bowling and there's all those people there? Mm-hmm. All the special guys and it's really cute. Um have you seen how the other caregivers do it? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you see the difference between being a friend and getting all your friends to just help Dar at whatever phase he's at and treat him like he's one of the guys and the way they do it? Can you see the difference or are you not aware? Oh, no, I, I see them. I mean, they're, they're subtle to me. Um, they're little differences, but um, I, I, I notice it, of course. I mean... So here's here's a, here's I'm going to give an example, all right? And you tell me what you think, because I don't know if you ever think about these things. You do them pretty natural, and it's really great. And you do them because you love them, which is also really great. But for example, I was at bowling, and one of the people there that that works with the special guys came up and said, you know, and I was just giving her Dars four dollars because that's what he pays to go bowling with the group, and. Um, she said, well, can we have Dar give it to us? And I said, yeah, sure. So I handed Dar the $4, and she goes, all right, Dar, can you give me one at a time? One. And um, so how do you feel when you hear that? <laughs> um, well, he's, what is he, like 34? Yeah, he's, he's old. 30. Yeah, thirty-three. No need now. to treat him like a child. <laughs> yeah, just because maybe accomplishing that is difficult, it doesn't mean he's not going to hear you're treating me like a baby and like I'm stupid, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you do that? Let's say you wanted to help him and get him to start, you know, passing you the money. What what would you do different there? Let's say for some reason that's well, something you wanted. I, I wouldn't make them have to do it one at a time. I mean, I would say, all right, Dar, can I have the $4, please? And then he'd, he'd give me the $4. Oh, you're right. <laughs> do you know why you're right? Because what people do is they ask special needs people to do something that they themselves don't do. So you don't pull $4 out of your pocket and go, here's one, here's two. You don't do that. So why would you ask Dar to act as if he's different than you right at the get-go, right? You see the difference? If my eyes could be the mirror of your soul Reflecting its image You'd look inside my heart and then you'd know The wonder of the beauty that I see
A new spin on autism answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, and we are talking with my grandson about what it's like to just hang out with an uncle that eats the walls, he's pulling the toilet seat, and doesn't talk. He talks much better now. Everybody's really excited. But way back when this began, <laughs> he was just kind of running around amongst the party goers, going, "Hey, how do I fit in?" Without those words. So, um, what about hitting himself? Do you remember any occasions where your friends were there and maybe Dar got upset? Did any of that ever happen? Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's been times where he gets really mad, or he used to, where he just hit himself and everyone just wouldn't know what to do, and he'd just grab cereal boxes and throw the cereal everywhere. He'd just get, like, really mad. And, you know, and what did, you know I mean, he... Huh? What did, he, what did you guys do? Tell a story. Oh, like, um, one time he was just hitting himself, and then... Uh, my friend Connor was like, "What is what's going on?" He's hitting himself, and I was like, "Dar, dar, dar, what's going on?" Like, and then you know, if he starts hitting himself, you kind of just hit, do do it to yourself. I, I like to do that sometimes just to see how silly it looks. Like, look how silly this looks right now. And then um, that was talk him down. But sometimes you can't really talk down Dar. I mean, if he wants to do his own thing. Right. But so, uh, the situation was he got a little angry, started hitting himself, but uh, he's doesn't do that anymore. I haven't seen him hit himself in a while. Yeah, me neither. me neither. But we're talking sort of about the evolution of it. We're doing it for a reason. We're going to get into it in a second. So did you ever ask him to get in the pool, maybe to have a sensory change or just go? No, I'll, I'll say uh, go take a bath. You know, just yeah, go sit in the bath, like put on the warm water, relax. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll make you a bowl of cereal or something when you get out. Um, right. And then the hitting yourself actually works with Dar too. When he sees you do it, usually that stops, right? Yeah, he's like, okay, this is a little, 
it does look a bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks more than silly. It looks a bit, I always call him the orangutan guy when he used to do that, or, or Darzan, because he was like, <laughs> right? Um, okay, so so there he was, hanging out with all your friends, accepted as one of the guys with that just happens to operate differently. That's pretty cool. Um, Dar has a bit of an addiction problem in that because milk would make him high in the old days. Um, it doesn't now. Whew, I've been testing that lately, and I really don't need to worry about that stuff. But um, he tended to crave things that would change how he felt in his brain, you know, his state. And you were having parties, and I know there was stuff around because I had to kick you out one time from finding the bottle. So... <laughs> So did Dar ever get drunk? This is a this is a no uh, I, I this is a no blame no nothing comes back around on you moment. Oh, so you can go ahead. It's fun. And it's fun. Yeah, I, I guarantee he got drunk. <laughs> he right. he would like um he'd like to walk around and just swoop up on half drinking drinks, and sometimes they'd be the harder drinks. <laughs> but yeah, but least, I mean he is he is really real really relaxed drunk guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's what's interesting. Dar has a deficit of alpha waves. And when you drink alcohol, you get alpha. So one of the problems would be that it would help him, in in many ways it would help him feel great and better, just like alcohol does for people. But in his case, more likely to create an addiction because it so directly affects something he needs. Um, fortunately, you know, I use neurofeedback and we've shifted that a lot, which is why he was so wonderful and calm this, this Christmas with the whole family. It was really cool. In fact, do you remember he kept saying, calm, calm, (laughs) right? It was neat. Um, Mm -hmm. okay. So, so he, he was raised as if he was just one of the guys once you came to do this. And I'm going to tell you, I ha- we had our problems simply because you were going through the teenage years. But any time in my history that I've tried hiring people from outside the family, especially if they're trained, Dar's been more harmed and less helped than just hanging out with you and all your friends. And when I used to watch movies when you know the kids were little, the movies that always seemed to me like the right idea on how to help somebody who is special were the ones where you had like a friend who didn't talk, but he hung out with all the, the gang, you know, where everyone just sort of accepted him. Or there's a movie called, I don't know if you've watched this story, it's called My Left Foot. And um, Daniel Day-Lewis plays the, the man, and he's very, he's got extreme cerebral palsy, and he can really only operate well with his one foot. And so he, but he's a family, a big family like us, and they just sort of accept him, and they have him doing goal, and he's got this one foot action that he can do, and you know they they play with him and be with him, and um, and he ends up you know quite successful in writing a book, and still very special, of course. So that was the image that I had in my mind. It's opposite to the way the world thinks that um, you should help someone with autism. So if you were to think about it 
and imagine, you know, somebody comes here and they pick up Dar and they put him in the car and they make sure he got his sock on right and his and his shirt's not backwards today and you know, and then they take him and they do a therapy with him and they bring him back. What do you think would be better about that or better about what you do? What are your opinions? You hang with him. Mm-hmm. So, like, what would that? What would, what's the question? It, I know it was long. I'm sorry. Um, it's a question of when you look at the style of just hanging out and just encouraging Dara wherever he's at, and if he wants to learn piano, we bring up a YouTube video, and you know that kind of relaxed, be everybody's friend approach. Compare that to what you see, say, at the, the with the bowling group, for example. Um, do you think that? there would be benefits to having Dar have somebody like that come and work with him? Or do you think he's better off just being part of the family and evolving as he is? I mean, um, I, I mean, caregivers, they're, they're good. They have good intentions, and they're doing what they know. But I think the family feeling is such a, a comfortable way to be raised, and especially if you can learn from that, like... Um, and especially we're we know autism like you're the brain broad so we're raised <laughs> around there so we're we're pretty uh, well versed in what autism is and all that so I mean in our case I think it's much better him being raised by us than a caregiver than someone else who he's not family is not like his cousin or nephew or whatever um, but for so for him yeah definitely I think it's I think it's much better he's raised by us. And, and why yeah, what it, why for him, Jory? Why for him? What is better about it for him? Um, it's the way Dar is. He's a really lovable guy, and he's really family-oriented, just like all of us. But um, that's because I, I'm I'm saying this because it's our family. It's, we know autism, like I was just saying. Right. I think this is the place to be if you wanna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. I mean, like someone else comes here and we try to raise them, they're not our family. It's gonna, they're not gonna have that same comfortability. But for Dar, he's our family, and yeah, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because what he sees reflected back at him is that he's just like everyone else. He just does it his way, just like you do it your way and I do it my way. And um, like your mom's song, I let them be them and they let me be me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that. That's the secret that Dar feels just as equal to as everyone else. And when we had the problem with the food was when we were controlling food. And when I said, "Okay, this isn't right. He can't be worried that we're hiding the good stuff somewhere and mm-hmm. you know that stuff." When I just took the rules away, the benefits of a special diet were less um, less important than the benefits of an inclusive world. And that was really when he really started to shift. You get to treat him like a normal person. Right, right. And if you feel, and we just say, well, you know, if he eats something and he doesn't feel well from it, we make that his responsibility, right? Yeah, I think that's like with caregivers, that's that's the thing. I mean, immediately you have a caregiver. You're not being raised like a normal person right away off the bat. (laughs) Right, and that's what I see too. All right. Thank you so much, Jory. That was really wonderful. So when you think this is your opportunity, if you want anyone to follow you or chat with you or ask you questions, if you're open to that, you can tell them how they can find you on Facebook or you don't have to share that. 
Um, and then the other thing is, just wait, let me finish. And then the other thing is, if you have something you really want to say to people, this is kind of your moment to say whatever you want to say to all the parents and therapists out there that work with autism. All right. Um, well, I'll say this. I love my uncle, and he is autistic, and he is one of the highest forms of autism. And I think, you know, love your family for who they are. And, yeah, I mean, everyone's different. <laughs> Nobody's the same. <laughs> and do you want people to be able to ask you questions? Yeah, I mean, if you ever want, I have questions or anything, really. Um, I have a website, www.joefry.com. It's J-O-F-R-Y. And uh, also, Jory Shelton. If you just Google me, I have a Facebook and all that jazz. So, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, very cool. Thank you so much, honey. I really appreciate it. I think it's a great show. Thank you. Not a problem. Love you. Bye. 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 Okay. Now, the best part of all this is, so just to prove that we are, you know, somewhat different in our approach and very inclusive, my son, Dar, I'm going to say this quietly, my son, Dar, is behind me waiting for the show to end. And if you've been hearing a sound in the background, it's him snoring. Here, I'm going to take the phone close to him. because most people would go find a private space to um, to do the show in. But in my house, my son likes to be my shadow. We, I, I, I heard the, the real Rain Man say him and his dad share a shadow, and I think that Dar and I do whenever I'm around as well. So he knows the drill. Be really quiet when I'm doing a show. It's just not much you can do about snoring. Anyway, it is time for Stories from the When my kids were very young, and I had just adopted them, I did what everyone does. I signed up for everything. I had people coming to the house to help me. I remember there was this one day, my house was completely clean. Somebody was with Rye. Somebody else was with Chance. Another person was with Cash. And a couple, because it takes two, were with Dark. And I was sitting in my bedroom waiting for it to be my turn to have a life. So I was sitting there going, okay, I adopted kids to be a mom, not an administrator or an organizer or a person hiding in their bedroom waiting for the people to leave. I'd rather it was messy and noisy and roxas and, and gorgeous and, and that I felt exhausted and ready to cry and ready to laugh and that we did adventures together. I don't want this really organized, perfect existence where everybody's trying to do therapy on my kids. And it was a very big moment for me. I really knew that this wasn't the identity I wanted to have and that it didn't have to go that way. That was just the way that people did it. And so, you know, 
after a couple more weeks of sort of slowly saying, well, this one doesn't need you and that one doesn't need you, I was down to where Rye was getting help and Dar was getting help, like Cash and Chance was doing myself, and I still felt the same way. And those people were having so many problems making things happen and handling the kids, and they were having all these problems that I wasn't having. So rather than continue to work with them, I just got rid of everybody <laughs> and said, I know money's available for this, but I don't need that money and I don't need this. I'm just going to raise the kids. And I started pretending I was a daycare and acting like that and copying things I saw uh, kindergarten teachers do. And, and I just I got real creative about it. Where I had a challenge was if I had to go out and do something, I needed someone who could stay home with the kids. My daughters, at that time I only had six kids. I hadn't adopted the last two teenagers. And so um, it was too much for them. They were still a little bit young. And they had, you know, just gotten these four very special needs, autistic, fetal alcohol syndrome, uh, low IQ brothers that had all these other, you know, they were just, it was too much. So I needed someone who could stay in the house with the kids when I went out. So, of course, I went, again, to get services from some place where they supplied people that were trained. And it was Surrey Place in Ontario, Canada. And um, I had somebody come in, and apparently she was getting her degree, so she was sort of a volunteer for them. But, you know, I was paying, so I didn't know that part. So then... um, I went out, and she stayed with the kids, and my son, Rye, who could not walk but could climb to the top of anything and then jump out and expect you to catch him, (laughs) found a way into the attic. Now, it was one of those trap doors that's in the closet, hidden. You know, so you open your closet, you look up, and you see a little trap door up there. There's no ladder or anything. You know, and only Rye would have been able to figure that out, and only Rye would have spotted it when no one was looking and had it in his mind as soon as Mom's not home. Someday, I'm going up there. So um, Rye, of course, had no language at the time, and like I said, he couldn't walk, but he could climb and make really good sound effect noises and rock back and forth. It was really cute, and his hair always looked like he was had just rubbed a balloon on it for static electricity, you know, because it was always sticking up, and it was just so freaking cute. And um, so I went out, and I got a call, and I came home in a hurry. And it turned out that Rye had gone up into the attic, and she'd managed to get him down by then, but she'd had to call the police and all these things. Now, here's the rub. I was not mad at her. I understood that, you know, Rye could get something into his head and be hard to keep track of. I figured she just made a mistake and took her eyes off him for a minute. There were four of them. Um, you had to be, you know, sort of me and understand how to corral them all to, to not have something like that happen. But the rub was that I was the one in trouble, not her. So here we were looking at a system that was supposed to help, that couldn't handle my children as well as me, that if they messed up, got me in trouble with the police, with social services. I wasn't home. And she wrote a report, you know, and I'm like, but but you, it was mind-boggling to me that I was out and she was babysitting and yet I got in trouble. So what I discovered as I moved through the system, and it's gotten better now but not a lot, um, was that I always got in trouble when they couldn't handle it. And I very quickly 
learned to do it myself. And as I did that, because I was raising so many kids, I was blessed. Because with so many kids, so much evolution happened amongst the family and within the siblings. And there was a buddy system. And we all just sort of were together uh, what the kids needed. And I groomed my own caregivers, not with that intention in mind, but it's just kind of how it went. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Apparently, talking about them wasn't that different. It wasn't interesting and stimulating because we do it all the time. But we do it in even that in an inclusive way. We don't see our as a problem. Just another family member who is learning the next best thing. So if I were to tell you anything today, it's just to reiterate what Jory said. I hope you can ignore the snoring behind me because I'm not going to wake him up. It seems like music for the background. Um, you know, it just, you know, we're all people. Just be people together. My son became loving when we just, treated him like one of the people the more therapy I threw his way the more anxious he was the more anxiety ridden so neurofeedback calms him I agree I have an edge there's no question I am able to help his brain shift and shift and shift and so he's he's continued to evolve as an adult he's evolved so much more as an adult than he ever did as a little child in fact he never held on to a skill. He would get a skill and drop it and get a skill and drop it when he was little. And it wasn't until we found neurofeedback about 10 years ago that he started to be able to hold skills and stop regressing. And that in itself was a blessing. And then we were able to help him to not have these horrible mood shifts. And then I was able to help him with his feeling of addiction. So I agree that I have an edge, that using neurofeedback gives me the ability to shape and, and help him without the same level of stress as possibly you in your home. But regardless, I have to tell you that most of the time, setting the child up as different from everyone else, as needing more attention, more help, more focus, more therapies, different food, different you know, enemas and IVs and all these things, the, the benefits are small, really small in comparison to the benefit of treating the child the way they should be treated, which is that, whoa, you're just another person, and some of your stuff comes out different than it comes out on me. So maybe you're pointing to letters and and only saying a few words, and, you know, I'm using lots of words, but I get, you know, I get panicked if the water's too hot, and you get, you know what I mean? Like this, we all have our stuff. So... If I were to give any word of advice, it's that if you want to have the right person to be with your child and with your children, groom them, create them, be the caregiver that you want the caregiver to be, and then have all the siblings and all the neighbors and all the friends evolve from you because you show them the way. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, and this was an exceptional show on a new spin to autism. Really unique answers. 
thank you for being here because without you, I'd just be with Dara sleeping in the bed behind me snoring. <laughs> thank okay. you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you. The masochist, the sadist, the martyr in me 